All right, so this morning we're going to be um, looking at uh, a parable. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And we're going to start in verse 1. All right, Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. So before we, we read this, uh, let's go ahead and, and open in prayer here. Uh, God, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for the youth that that we uh, have been able to get to see them serving and loving you. Uh, just thank you for all of us. We're all here for the same reason. That's to, to praise you and um, to offer our, our worship to you, God. And Lord, we thank you for all that's taking place um, as we have looked back on this year. Thank you for the salvation, the baptisms, the friendships, the adventures. Uh, Lord, uh, we thank you for, for all that you've been doing and the way that you've been working, Lord. God, I pray that you will bless this morning as we uh, spend time in your word, that you'll uh, speak to our hearts and that uh, we'll just walk away with what you have for us this morning. And so we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so before we get into this passage, uh, I know we recognize the graduates, but I want to just see, get a consensus of uh, some of the other specifics here in the room. So how many of you students are, you've, you are going to be, this upcoming school year, moving from one school to the next? So in other words, you're in elementary school, you're going to be moving to middle school, or you're in middle school, you'll be moving on to, to high school. Anybody? Show of hands. So, well, obviously elementary is already gone, so they're not going to be raising their hands, but... Any, anybody else that's moving up? All right, how about who is going to be moving from underclassmen, so you're a sophomore, you're going to be moving on to, to be an upperclassman, be a junior. Anybody that, okay, so we've got a few, okay, good. We've got a few uh, upperclassmen coming up, so you guys are on the top of the pack now. Okay, so I'm going to look at uh, a little bit more here. So how many of you have already had your 10-year anniversary from the time that you graduated high school. Not that you, if you went, but it's already come and gone, the anniversary, okay? All right. How many have had the 20-year anniversary? 20 years, okay. 30 years? 30? See how high I can keep going here. 40 years. 50 years. 50 years. That's awesome. That's awesome. So it's been it's been a uh, half a century since you graduated high school. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I'm sure you appreciate that reminder. A lot's changed since then, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so as you can see, we're all on different spectrums. We've all um, are at different spectrums in terms of you know our education, but really that can go for anything. That applies to I could you know. Say, show of hands, how many of you are married or not married? How many of you have children, don't have children, have grandchildren, great-grandchildren? The hands are all going to be different uh, because that's the reality. That's, that's part of the beauty of the church, that we're all in different spectrums and different uh, points in that spectrum. Well, in this passage, we're going to kind of see something along those lines, that you're going to see people that are in different spectrums in a different way. So you're going to have... We're going to look at different people that they fall on a different spectrum, and because of that, 
there's some differences, and the way that they um, see things is a little different too. So, so with that, let's uh, go ahead and look at uh, Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 1. This is the passage or the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. So we'll go ahead and read it first, and then we'll kind of uh, dive in and look at more specifically at, at some of the, the um, takeaways in this passage. So Matthew 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. Remember that. That's going to come up later. It starts with the last and then and gets to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last work only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. There he is. Saying that again, making that point. Okay, so we see here uh, what's going on. You see, you have the master of the house. He's got a vineyard that needs to be uh, taken care of. So he goes out early in the morning to find some laborers, some workers to take care of his vineyard. Now, the uh, Jewish day in that day, it started at 6 a.m. That's kind of when the start of the day was for them. So most likely he went out there at 6 a.m., found some workers, and got them started with working. And they agreed um, on a denarius as their, their wage. A denarius was a day's wage. So that's fair, right? You, you work a day, you get paid for a day's wage. That's, you know, that's a congruent pay. So they start working. Then the master, he goes back out uh, the third hour, so that's 9 o'clock. He goes back out at 9 o'clock. He sees some people standing there idle at the marketplace, and he tells them, hey, I've got work in the vineyard to be, to be done. You can come work and work in the vineyard as well. So he gets more laborers. And then a little later on, and what he, he tells them, you know, I'll give you what's right for you. So they, they agree on that. He's got more workers. Then the sixth hour, so that's noon. We're kind of going by every three hours. He's going back out and getting more people. So the sixth, the sixth hour, um, he goes ahead and does it and gets more laborers. And then the ninth hour, so 3 p.m., he does the same thing. So he, you know, all throughout the day, he's been bringing on more and more laborers, and you know, they're all working together in this vineyard. 
And then you get to the 11th hour, so that's 5 p.m., and the master goes out, and he finds some more standing there idle. And he says to them, what have you been doing? You're standing here all day. And they say, we don't have any work. Nobody's hired us. Which, you know, that's, they obviously, there was work to, to be done as they've been seeing all these people going and working in the, the vineyard. But so he ends up getting them to come and work for him as well. And so then uh, it comes to evening time. So the Jewish day started at 6 a.m. It ended at 6 p.m. So that's a full day's work. So here's, as the song goes, it's closing time now. And so they come and they're ready to, to wrap up the day. Um, so there's the ones that have been working since the start, 6 a.m., the ones that started later at 9 and noon and 3 and 5 o'clock. They they've all are kind of getting their themselves ready to get their pay and, and head on out. So the, the owner, he calls his foreman, he says, go ahead and pay them their wages. So, all right, it's time to divvy up the pay and give them, give them what, what I'm going to be paying them. So the, the last ones go up first, the ones that came and started at 5 o'clock. So basically they only worked an hour. They came at 5 o'clock, they got, got off at 6 o'clock, and then they were done for the day. So a very brief um, span that they worked. Yet they still received a denarius. So they got a day's wage, like they got paid a whole day's work when they just worked one hour. So that sounds a little bit of a different pay scale there. But the, the ones that have been working all day, they noticed that. So when they came, they also they thought they were going to be getting more. I mean, it makes sense. We've worked longer, we've worked harder, we deserve more. And then when they get a denarius, the same payment that the ones that has only worked one hour had received, they were they didn't like that. They said, we've been working in the, the scorching heat. We've been dealing with the burden of the day. And that they're getting the same thing that, that we are. So instead of being humbly grateful, they were grumbly hateful. And so... Here's what the master says to them. Here's what he says. He says, friend, and I love that. He, he calls them friend. Even though they're being complaining and they're, um, they, they have the audacity to, to get um, where they're just grumbling at the master, but he still calls them friend. He says, friend. And you know what that also reminds me? That even when Judas came to lead the um, soldiers to arrest Jesus, Jesus still called them friend. So, we're seeing a parallel here of the, the compassion and the kindness that this master is showing. So he said, the master says, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did we not agree for a denarius? This is what we said way back in the beginning. He points them back to what happened in verse 2 where he says, hey, this is what we said all along. I'm giving you what I said I was going to give you. And he says, take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do that? To do what, with what belongs to me? To choose what I do with it? Or do you begrudge my generosity? And there it is again. The last will be the first and the first last. So, as you read this parable, I think it's important to remember who's in the crowd here. Who's listening when Jesus is telling this parable. 
And you've got different people in the crowd. You've got the sinners. You've got the, you know, they all came, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. But you also have the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the priests. So it's a, it's a mixed crowd here. And Jesus is driving home these points because there's some in the crowd that really needed to hear this. And especially, you can, you can already sense the Pharisees being rubbed the wrong way as, he's, as he's, Jesus is saying this. But if you read this passage, would you see what happens with these, these uh, laborers that, that got, uh, were grumbling? It reminds you a lot of uh, the parable of the prodigal son, which is the same, this is the same crowd that was hearing that parable. So Jesus is kind of, He's making sure that they're getting this point that he's driving home. So uh, we all remember the parable of the prodigal son. One son leaves, he squanders his wealth. The younger son, he ends up squandering it with the prostitutes. He ends up with the, the pigs. And then he comes back. He comes to his senses, he comes back. And, and what happens? The father embraces him and throws a party. Well, the other thing is that there is another son, an older son, and when that happens, he doesn't like that. Just like these laborers don't like the, the new guys getting the same thing that they got. So here, this is what happens in that parable. This is in Luke 15. I'll read the, the verses to you. So it says, But he, that is the older son, was angry and refused to go in. He's not going into the party that they're having for the son. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, he doesn't even claim him as his brother, he said, This son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Here's what the father said. And you'll see this sounds a lot like what the master is saying to to the laborers. The father said, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So the, the, the master in this parable is conveying the same truth that the father in this parable is. And that is that you don't lose out because of God's generosity and grace. You know, they, they, the Pharisees didn't like that Jesus was showing grace to these sinners and uh, these people who they didn't feel were deserving of grace. And you know, right before this passage, Jesus tells the story of the, the sheep and the lost sheep and the shepherd going. So he's, he keeps bringing home this point, like I said. And you know, one thing about, as much as we have to say you're negative about sheep, that they're, they're not bright, they're um, smelly, they don't listen, um, they're cowardly, you know, there's not a lot of good things you can say about them, but one thing that the sheep have on us is that the sheep didn't complain when the shepherd brought that other sheep back. You have the people, you have the son complaining, you have the laborers complaining, sheep they didn't complain. So that's something we can take from the sheep, that we can be more like sheep in that way. You know, there's other ways that we don't want to be like them, but there's a diamond in every rough, right? So they didn't like that, that Jesus was showing this, this grace. But here's, here's the thing. 
you're never missing out on grace because God overspent it on someone else. It doesn't, you're not lacking in grace because God was too abundant elsewhere. If you are, in fact, if you are missing out on grace, it's not because of a shortage of grace on God's part, but it's because of a buildup of pride on your part. You're, if you're lacking grace or you're missing out on grace, it's not because of a shortage of grace on God's part. It's because of a buildup of pride on your part. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, you know, sometimes when we look back and reflect on, on things like we have this morning, it, and that's always a good thing to do, but sometimes, you know, Thus, for example, when graduating, you know, graduates can look and say, yeah, I graduated, but he graduated with honors. Or, yeah, I was on the, the JV team, but she's on the varsity team. Yeah, I'm going to community college, but he's going to state school. You know, we can start comparing ourselves and, and being like, I don't like, I, yeah, I'm at where I'm at, but I don't like where they're at. They seem to have it better or more than me. And so if you want to apply it spiritually, you can do what these laborers are doing. You can say, I've worked longer, I've worked harder than this so-and-so over here. I've been a Christian longer, and so uh, I'm more deserving, or I should have a higher rank and status. The thing is that when we step into the comparison trap, we can fall in either of two ditches. Okay, You, you start comparing... You'll either start coveting, you'll covet what others have or what you don't have, you'll start coveting, or you start complaining. You'll, that's what it leads to, you know, inevitably. You're coveting and you're complaining. And the Israelites, they had a problem with this. In fact, God made it one of the commandments, thou shalt not covet your neighbor and, and so forth. So obviously, they had a uh, a problem with that, and then they also complained. The bread was too bland, the water was too bitter. They gave Moses more problems than a watermelon has seeds. So what, what Jesus told Peter, because Peter was also had this same struggle of comparing, and you know, if you remember, after the resurrection, Jesus comes in to them on the shore, and, and Peter He's talking to Peter, but then, of course, Peter turns around, looks at John, says, hey, what about John? And Jesus tells him, John 21, Peter asked Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus answered him, if it is my will that you remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So, the Bible talks a lot about having the humility and, and staying focused on what God is, is doing in and through you, not on what he's doing around you. you. You pay attention to that. And in fact, the Bible says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So you should be able to echo and have that kind of uh, celebration when others celebrate and to be with them in the hardships that they face. You, you'll see in Thessalonians, it talks a lot about working, minding your own affairs, working quietly, so the Bible tells us, just like these servants in the, in the vineyard, you just focus on what, 
what the master's given you. You focus on what he's entrusted to you. So as you wrap up, you know, a school year, or you look on to another school year, or, or career-wise, you know, this, this goes for all of us, students, adults, uh, children, parents. It, it applies to all of us. Just like Peter, we need to stay focused. What is on what, you know, Jesus said, and that's to follow him. So I think that we can kind of look at it and say, we're not supposed to bargain with God. That's what the laborers were trying to do. Hey, we want, we want a different share. We want more. We want it to be negotiated. You don't try to bargain with God. And don't try to bookkeep with God. Don't try to give yourself you know, an extra status or um, put yourself on a higher um, grade scale because of your, what you've done or uh, just what you've been able to accomplish. So don't bargain with God. Don't bookkeep with God. So the laborers, we see that these early starters, these laborers, they were prideful and they were greedy. But the master, he, he points them back to the fact that that's not what you're supposed to be focused on. And that's what Jesus was telling the Pharisee. You're not supposed to be focused on that, that you know this in the law or that you have these accolades. He said that you focus on the fact that, that there's grace and Grace is for all, and it's needed by all. And it's hard to count your blessings when you're envying someone else's. I remember hearing a, a story about Pastor Adrian Rogers. He was a pastor, uh, and he, he before he was pastor, he his first job as a, a teenager, he worked at a pharmacy. And one of the things that he had to do was close the shop. You know, when, when it kind of came time to wind down, he would close, the pharmacy would close at 7 o'clock. And so he'd go lock the door and, and, you know, be done for the night. Well, one night he was closing, he was getting ready to lock the door, he just turned the key in the door, and somebody came up, you know, was on the other side of the door, a glass door, and he says, hey, I, I need something. And, and Adrian says, we're closed, sorry, we're closed. And the man just starts to try and say, but it's, it's important, you know, there's something I need. And he says, sir, we're closed. And he says, well, just hear me out. And, he, and Adrian turns around and says, we're closed. Goodbye. And no sooner did he say that, Adrian turns back around. Who does he see? He sees his boss standing right there. So obviously that's an awkward moment. His boss is right there and seeing that, you know, you just you know, treated the customer like that. And the, the boss said, you know, I'm disappointed. You know, yes, I understand that, you know, you, you want to be closed and all that. But this man, that medicine that he was trying to get is for his wife who desperately needs it. And that's, that's what he comes to get every Thursday. And so Adrian, he tells in this story that he learned that there's a difference between watching the store and watching the clock. There's a difference between watching the store and watching the clock. So these laborers, they were watching the clock. They were watching, you know, I, I do put in X amount of time, I'll get X amount of rewards. And But if you're watching the store, and the application here is that you're watching, you're being a good steward of what God's given you, then you're not getting caught up in what am I getting out of it? What What's uh, the payoff, the trade-off? So... Obviously, these, these laborers had 
their priorities and were in the wrong place. But there's also, that doesn't mean that the laborers who came late really had any excuse for coming late. Like I said, there was plenty of work to be done. They just didn't you do it. They, they finally had to be prompted to do it. So clearly they, they didn't recognize the value of actually putting in your, your effort and being intentional. And I remember as a, as a kid, you know, just like every kid, sometimes you get bored and you tell your mom, Mom, I'm bored. And my mom, would, her response, same response every time was, well, I have some toilets that can be cleaned. And then I would zip it up and then nothing else was said and I'd go find something to do. And I, I've already kind of saved that line for, from when my boys are a little older, so it, it continues, tradition continues. But the reality is that, you know, if you're saying that there's nothing to do or nothing to be part of, then you're not paying enough attention to what's around. But Jesus said, Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So, the harvest is plentiful. It's not like there's any lack of, just like there's no lack of, of grace, uh, there's no lack of opportunity. So, what they could have been doing, the workers, or the laborers who were just standing there, they could have actually been intentional and looked and, and said, what can I do? How can I serve? And that, the same goes for us. You know, for example, if you were looking for, for a job, you don't just sit around and just wait for one to float to you. You put in your application, you put in your, your resume, you do your interviews, you, you be intentional. That's, that's how we show that we actually have that desire and that willingness to serve. Now, I've told the youth in this before, and, but I'll say it again, that it's easier to steer a moving car than a parked one. So just keep moving forward, even if you don't know if that's what you're supposed to be doing long-term, just you do something. And uh, the Will Rogers, he said something similar. He said that even if you're on the right track, you're going to get run over if you just sit there. So just keep moving, keep, keep the feet moving, just like a duck on the water, keep gliding. You don't always see the feet paddling underneath it, but he's, he's moving forward some, some way, somehow. And the thing is that in those times where it may seem like, well, I'm not doing what all God may be having for me to do, and you think, you know, this isn't my, my big uh, platform, or I'm not on the, you know, the, my big stage yet. The reality is that God's working even in those times, too. If you remember David, David was anointed king long before he actually became king. He, was, he continued to be a shepherd for a while after that. But you know what David did while he was a shepherd? One, he was taking care of his sheep, like shepherds do, but that meant that he learned how to use a slingshot. He learned how to take care of them, protect them against the, the lions, the bears, the wolves, oh my. But he also, he also learned that you know, when you use a slingshot, you know how to attack the, the enemy. So when the time came to face Goliath, he already knew how to use a slingshot. What God was having him learn in that time, God was using later and applying it going forward. The same thing with playing the harp. He, he learned how to play the harp, taking care of the, 
the sheep and and he would just practice. So when he was called upon to play for King Saul, guess what? He knew how to play the harp. So being faithful in what God is, is giving you and entrusting you and in the current moment, like Jesus said, he who is faithful with little will be will be trusted with much. Yeah, you know, there's a song that I like that's called Do Something. And in it the, the lyrics say basically it's the singer, he's talking to God and he says he, he notices all the you know, the hurt and the wrongs and all these things that are that are going on. And he says, like, God, why don't you do something? Why don't you do something? And he said, he was humble because he got his answer. And God said, I did. I created you. God God works through his people. He worked through his servants. The master, he worked through, he had the, the servants and the laborers in the vineyard working and serving. And he was, they were being a part of what he was, of his vineyard. So I can remember a colleague who would, who would remind me, and she, we were chaplains together, and she would encourage me, you do big things for God, expect big things from God. So continue, continue moving and working forward. And what, whatever you're doing, you do it with all your might. The Bible's you know, clear on that. It says, do it with all your might, do it for God's glory, do it in Jesus' name. That's Ecclesiastes 9, 1 Corinthians 10, and Colossians 3. All your might, to God's glory, in Jesus' name. One of the memories I had, so I spent a year in uh, New York, for college and up in the not the city but like some people think of New York and think the city but this was upstate New York so it's the Adirondack Mountains and so we're up there winter is is brutal up there you know it wouldn't be uncommon for it to be negative 50 degrees there so that just gives you an idea you know you going to class in the blizzard and being a Florida boy I kind of had to actually first I had to attend a seminar till I knew what to do, and they they had me have do have to do that. I guess they had enough Floridians that that kind of went in there, didn't know what to do, and it kind of ended up being an issue for them. But anyway, so we had this thing called snow camp, and snow camp was, you know, you were a student during the week, and then weekend we'd have like high schoolers coming just for snow camp, and I I still to this day think they intentionally did this to stretch me, broaden me, whatever you want to say. But they put me as the ski hill supervisor. They didn't know how to ski. I didn't know what that was even was required for that. But so here I am. I'm the ski hill supervisor. And one of the jobs that I had to do was, so you know those things that uh, they kind of carry the, the tubes back up, you know, the mountains so that you can get get in and go back down. But we didn't have that. So the way that it got back up there was you going back down, bringing it back up, and putting the next person on there. They go back down, you go up, bring it up. And I just remember that one day I was just drained. I was like, man, I don't, you know, I'm just doing this nonstop, bringing tubes up the hill, and for what? Like, so a kid's going to go right back down on it. I'm going to do it all over again. Well, I had this um, app on my phone that was giving me a verse of the day, and it just happened to go off at that time. And I checked my phone, and, and the verse was um, 
Zephaniah 3.16, which um, it, it says, you do not let your hands grow weak. And I, that was all I needed. That was the motivation that I needed. That if I'm, what I'm doing, I'm doing for the Lord, then he's going to give me the strength and the ability to, con- to keep on, to keep pressing on. And, um, and so, you know, whatever you do, you do it in Jesus' name. Um, there's an athlete who will say, you know, in Jesus' name I play. Even if you're playing sports, you do it in Jesus' name. So, we see, here's the, as we kind of wrap up in looking at this parable, you're going to see that why, why is Jesus telling this? Why is he having them see what, what he's sharing here? And the thing is that whether you're looking at the, the master in this parable or the shepherd in, in the, the parable of the lost sheep or the, the father in the parable of the, the prodigal son, you're seeing the, the same thing. And that is that, he, actually he says this right before he tells that parable of the prodigal son. He says that there is joy in the presence of the angel over one sinner that repents. So heaven throws a party, it, there's rejoicing. And I used to kind of, you know, hear that verse and think, well, that's, that's great, you know, heaven throwing a party. But when you actually think about it, he said there's joy in the presence of the angels. Well, who's in the presence of the angels? That's Jesus himself. Jesus is rejoicing in the presence of the angels, just like the Father who's representing you know, God, you know, our Heavenly Father, in that parable of the lost or the prodigal son. He's throwing the party. So Jesus is, is showing, trying to communicate to these Pharisees, to the priests and scribes, you're getting upset about you know, these sinners coming and, and receiving grace, and you're getting upset about that it doesn't seem fair to you. But he said, heaven's rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. My father's rejoicing. Your priorities are all skewed if, if you're, you're missing what it's all about. So I said earlier that you know, we're all on different ends of the spectrum. You know, some of us have been faithfully serving for years. Some of us are kind of have not been as long. And some, we're all on different points of that spectrum. But if you are serving and you are faithfully serving, then you keep doing that. Don't grow weary, the Bible says. Uh, do not give up because the sowing, the harvest is plentiful. Uh, there's much to be sown and reaped in that. And that we can have that same heart that, that God has in seeing when the sun comes back, you, the prodigal son, you see rejoicing. When the uh, there, there's more laborers in the vineyard, there's rejoicing. When there's another sheep back in the fold, there's rejoicing. So we should we should always be rejoicing. We should be continuing to, to reach out, not only just rejoice, but, but reach. You, you rejoice and you reach. So there's the generosity of the master. There is the love of the father. And there's the seeking of the shepherd. And all those things are ultimately what causes us to be able to have that same heart, to, for our hearts to align with his, and to, we love because he first loved us. We bear fruit because he abides in us. It's in him, from him, through him, for him. It's all him. So, as we kind of come to an end here, 
I just want you to consider a few things. You know, are, do you find yourself bargaining, saying, you know, that's, I don't like what I'm getting, you know, I don't like you know, what has been dealt to me? Have you been bookkeeping, saying, well, look at so-and-so, or look at where, where I'm at compared to them? Have you been blaming, saying, well, I, I just haven't seen the work that there is to be done, and you know, nobody kind of com- called me to, to work or compelled me to do it. Because when you're, you're doing those things, you're missing out on the blessings of, and the joy that Jesus was trying to share with, with the people in that crowd. Everything's level at the foot of the cross. We, we all are in need of grace. And so... I challenge you, if, to be a, a laborer in that vineyard, you have to be part of the crew. To be a, a part of the flock, you have to be a sheep. To be um, a child of the Father, you have to be a child. So it all starts there, of course. But then from there, we can look and see, how is God working? How am I helping to see other sheep coming to the fold? How am I seeing other children coming to the family? How am I seeing other laborers coming to the vineyard? the last verse, then, and then we'll pray. In John 4, 35 and 36, Jesus says, Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit to eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. And it's this verse that the hymn um, the, these are the days of Elijah. That's where they inspired that. And the line in that song says, These are the days of the harvest. The fields are as white in your world. And we, we are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. So the same challenge goes for all of us. Um, be part of the vineyard. Don't, don't get caught up in the bargaining or the bookkeeping or the blaming. Just be, be faithful. Focus on what God's entrusting you with. Uh, focus on being a good steward of what, what God has given you. And rejoice. Have the heart of Jesus. Have the heart that rejoices to see uh, what, what God sees and to see the joy and, and seeing others become part of, that, part of that family of God. So let's go ahead and, and pray together and uh, then we'll have Aaron close. Lord, I thank you that the harvest is plentiful. Thank you that we can uh, just continue to be your faithful laborers, that you give us the opportunity to serve you. God, if there's any envy in, in any hearts, God, we pray that, that you'll help us to replace that with, with rejoicing and joy. If there's bitterness or discontent, hearts, let them be content in you, God. If we're not serving in your vineyard, then help us to get in that and be a part of your work and what you're doing. Thank you for the relationship we have with you. Thank you that the love that you have and that you you want us to to be home and and in your family and, and with you, God. And thank you that you welcome us home, that you seek after us, and that you invite us to be part of, of your work. So God, thank you for all these youth again.
I pray that they continue to do amazing things in, in your harvest as they go forward and, and that we all will. We love you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to invite uh, Pastor Aaron to come up and give some final announcements, and then he'll close us out.